Hello friends, welcome back to your Age Is Not Your Cage with Carla Allen. Okay, today, get ready. You might even grab a Kleenex for this one. Today, I am talking with Emily Cobb. Emily is the daughter-in-law of a dear friend of mine, Shauna, that I've known since we were in junior high or high school. And we are gonna talk today in great detail about her family and specifically more about their amazing miracle child, Owen, or as we call him, Mighty O. And you will soon realize why we call him that. You're gonna be in absolute awe of the remarkable courage, dedication, perseverance, and faith that the Cobb family exhibits every single day. This will probably bring you to tears, but I'll also encourage you like never before to never give up and never take anything for granted, not one day. And I will tell you, Emily and her husband, Justin, are two of the most courageous, selfless, loving parents you will ever meet. And so I am excited to introduce you to Emily as she shares her family's story and the ways God has moved in it in such huge ways. They will give you encouragement on how we can walk out too in holy boldness and in faith, no matter what life may throw us. So let's get ready. Here we go. Here is Emily Cobb. Hi, Emily. Welcome. Hey, good morning, Carla. Hey, I am so happy you're here. And I have to share with everyone that when I started this podcast, I knew that you were going to be one of my very first guests. I wrote you down on my list immediately because this podcast is all about trying to share stories and share stories of women with encouraging, just courageous stories and you and your family are examples of one of the just bravest, most courageous, uh, Jesus-loving family I've ever known. So I am so glad you're here, and I'm excited for people to meet you and hear your story. And so just give us a few, few things about yourself, and then we will dig right into your story. Sure. Well, as you know, um, um, I'm married to Justin, which is um, Shauna, one of your good friends, who is uh, her son. And Justin and I have been together for a long time, married almost 10 years. Now we have two wonderful children together, Owen and Madeline. Um, I currently homeschool Owen. We're going to start with Madeline here soon. I work in the child welfare I've uh, been working, you know, like with CPS files and children in, in uh, that respect as well for many years. Um, I have a, a huge heart for children and protecting and being, um, I don't know, I guess just like a, a mama bear to all kiddos. There's a mm -hmm. lot of children out there who, who need so much more than what they're given. And uh, so you know, we've been given this wild ride with, with Owen and all his medical, and it's really driven us to be uh, uh, stronger parents. And, you know, you don't really know what you're able to handle until you've just been given it. Mm, that's so. so true. And, and I think once the listeners hear your story, they'll be amazed by going, how does she do all that? 
and right. you know your husband too. How do they yes. both do all that plus uh, you know what you're enduring uh, with caring for a special needs child and um, and so let's dig right into that and just start talking about what what life has looked like for for y'all for the last. Um, let's see, Owen's seven and a half. So what life has looked like for you, you know, even a little prior to that? Yeah, I'd say eight, eight and a half years. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I want you to start off by sharing um, Owen's fetal surgery, because I remember, and Emily mentioned that I know uh, her mother-in-law. And Shauna is one of my dear friends that I've known since I was 15. And I still remember when Emily had that surgery. I still remember that day. I remember praying. And it was just such an incredible, uh, I, I could explain it in so many ways. Incredible, scary, uh, beautiful. Oh, all uh, of it. Yes. I mean, every word can describe that. So share with them. Uh, about the fetal surgery, when it took place. Okay. I mean, just kind of walk through because I, I don't think a lot of people have ever known anyone, you know, that has, has gone through that. Yeah, I, I do. I, um, I share bits and pieces of that story with, with people um, quite frequently, actually, um, if, if they're interested and they ask. But um, so I was actually diagnosed at week 17 of pregnancy, as you kind of normally progress through your pregnancy, they found an abnormality in my blood work, which proceeded into um, some more blood work and then an amniocentesis. And then he's like, well, yeah, there's an issue with the spine. So we were referred to a maternal fetal medicine doctor who was able to diagnose the spina bifida with a simple ultrasound. And then we got transferred to Texas Children's Hospital then at this point. Um, and I'm right around 20, 21 weeks along, I go through Texas children's battery of tests and, um, we schedule the surgery for November 9th of 2015. And it was a, it was a big surgery, very risky. They definitely still call it experimental at that point. We had some insurance hiccups, which are still current to this day. Um, insurance is not, not huge on approving it. From time to time. So we almost it almost didn't happen, but thankfully, uh thankfully it, it did. Uh the surgery was, I don't know, four or five hours long, and it was a very rough recovery. Um they literally, you know, they did a C-section on me, they took out the uterus and cut that open and uh they were able to align Owen's little tiny, I mean tiny little body. He was maybe the size of a banana by that point. They put his little spine up there in the top of the uterus and the neurosurgeon went in and corrected the defect or it's called a myelomeningocele, which is basically a big bundle of nerves. And uh, he was able to close that up and they put him back in and sewed me back up and he, Owen made his own amniotic fluid. That, that is just, I have to stop you in that because yeah. I ask you, I mean, because when you listen to that story, I know it, it's wild. Isn't it? It, it, I know you probably told it so many times and, yeah. and because I do remember it, yeah. uh, 
but to hear it and think she had a C-section because I, I, I had two C-sections. So yes. I am familiar with that. And they put them back in and it's they like, put them back in. And oh honestly, you know, I, I misspoke. They put in like sterile saline, but then over time he makes, you know, the baby will make their own little amniotic mm-hmm. fluid in there. And that's the part that's so risky because you have an open, a large open incision on the uterus while your baby is growing so they gave me some really, really strong medications, like for about a week inpatient. And, you know, I was, you know, of course, bedridden. I, I couldn't keep any, anything down for the first three or four days. Um, Did you even get like, up? Like, were you able to get up? Oh, no, I wasn't allowed. No, I, I had a Fully you, catheter in. Yeah, I, I was, was had, you know, like pain medication pump around the clock. I had an arterial IV. I had a two regular IV. I mean, I had IVs everywhere. Um, and they were monitoring him. You know, I had the, uh, the, uh, monitors on him, you know, around the clock, like he was, he was actually pretty wiggly and moving once all the anesthesia wore off, but it was, it was some, uh, pain that I'll, I'll never forget. I, I, I mean, I know none of us can even imagine what that pain must have been like. Let me ask you, had your physician ever performed this kind of procedure before? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. We were the 29th pair at Texas Children's Hospital to have open fetal surgery. Uh-huh. So Owen's, Owen's defect is quite large. So if you can imagine the spine, um, you have your lumbar section. And then you have your sacral section, which is the bottom that goes down, you know, to your rear end. His starts at L2 and goes all the way down the sacrum. So he had a very large defect. So it was a very large bubble, a bundle of nerves. And so they had to do the open fetal surgery versus something called fetoscopic, which is sometimes the defect is smaller and they can go in with just probes and not have to, you know, kind of like orthoscopic. Mm-hmm. and not have to cut you open. So mine was a bit riskier, but that's just, if we were going to do it, that was the only option. So um, as as the week progressed, I was inpatient for a week and I was able to get the Foley catheter out and then walk around and, you know, you have to do all your business before you can leave the hospital, make sure right. everything's working appropriately. And on the other end, Shauna flies in and she's literally my babysitter. I had to be literally had to have someone with me around the clock because if anything went wrong, we had a 30 minute drive to the hospital and we're, we're good. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, received by Justin and Shauna and taken very well care of and, uh, monitored weekly, um, with scans until, you know, anything needed to happen. So, okay. um, So that was at, uh, 25 weeks right? Yes. 25 weeks and five days was the day of the surgery. Okay. So take us forward from that. How long from that to when Owen was actually born? So we have, it's standard procedure to have a six week, five to six week post-op MRI just to see how baby has done. With this particular surgery, the, the neurosurgeon goes in to close up the spine so it allows the cerebrospinal fluid to flow just in the body and not mix with the amniotic fluid. And that's what was going on prior. Um, so he was able to get a nice tight seal is what they call it on the incision, you know, 
get it all nice and uh, tight and clean. And Owen has something called a Chiari malformation, type two, also very common. It's when the hindbrain, uh, the cerebellum is pulled down from all of that, that big bundle of nerves that was at the bottom of his spine. So it literally just pulls the nervous system down and that was able to reverse. So mm. once you get everything back in place, the spine is is closed up. Then we were able to see that the Chiari malformation had completely reversed, which is wonderful. That's a huge goal of what we were wanting to accomplish and, um, you know, give him that best chance of uh, just just give him that best chance of, of, of being able to develop as long as he could in there. Yeah, while, while that possibly. must have been such an encouragement and just, you know, such a gift at that time after, I mean, it was going through all of this. It was, it was, it was a little bittersweet because then they, mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, the Chiari reversed, but on the same time, your amniotic fluid is, is in extremely low. So that was a red flag. And that's part of, part of the concern with having fetal surgery is, you know, are you going to rupture perhaps, are you going to leak fluid? You know, these are the things that that they, that they watch for and why we have weekly scans. So my fluid was low. We let it go for one week. He said, drink a ton of water. Hopefully this isn't the start of preterm labor. So let's just watch you closer. So I went back the next week to a regular doctor to be scanned. And unfortunately, my fluid was still gone, like almost all of it. So they, you know, he sent me directly to the hospital and um, pumped me full of fluids and all of that. I was able to to stay there for about four or five days before contractions began inpatient. And then uh, I guess it was just after, yeah, that was around Christmas, right after Christmas. And uh, cause he was born January 3rd, definitely via emergency C-section, run me down the hallway kind of uh -huh. surgery. Justin had just gone to pick up Shauna at the airport and Shauna had a cold. I'll never forget it. And Justin was tired or wait, was, I don't know if it was Justin or Shauna who was sick. I forget. Maybe it was both of them. They were both tired and worn down from holidays and stuff. And they laid down on the couch and then I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of somebody. Oh. <laughs> so. Oh, so you couldn't get a hold of them when all this was going on. Well, what was happening is like, I couldn't feel the contractions per se, but the nurses are like, are you feeling any of this? And they're in and out the room pretty frequently. And my friend, Jackie, her daughter was inpatient at Texas Children's at this time. So she was visiting me in my room and she's watching this and she's like, hand me your phone. I need to call your husband. So she's trying to call Justin. Turns out she calls his office number. And so she's like, I can't get a hold of him. And I can't, I'm not paying attention because there's all these nurses and doctors on me. Like, I think we got to go. And I said, wait, I got to get a hold of my husband. And I said, will you wait? And they're all like, no. <laughs> I mean, it was like six of them who turned and said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're stripping me down They're They're undoing wires. They're getting with it. Yeah. And so I'm getting a little nervous at this point, but, um, we got a hold of everybody and they, Justin just goes in one car and Shauna comes, you know, a few minutes later in the next, and he was able to make it for Owen just in time. But, oh, uh, my goodness. was he in there with you? He was, he okay. was there. And then, um, I'll never forget it. The nurse or the doctor, it was two doctors who delivered Owen. I still have contact with her today, which is great. Um, she was like, oh, Mrs. Cobb, you were definitely 
you know, my uterus was tearing open. She's like, it's, it's green. I've never seen this color, but she's, she's like, we got him just in time. Oh, praise so it was, I know it, it was scary. It still gives me chills today, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So tell me what day that was. What is that was January of his birth, January 3rd of 2016. Okay. Yes. Okay. So moving forward from that, which I can't imagine, how much did Owen weigh when he was born? He was four pounds and two ounces. So he was, I mean, a good little size. He he was really, he was pretty close to our target for his weight. He really was. Yeah. Yeah. He was Uh, a tiny little thing, but yes, yes. Okay. So as, as we go from there and I'm, I'm assuming he stayed in NICU for a while. 39 days. If I would, I want to add one little point. I think you're going to get a kick out of this. So January 3rd is, is a, an anniversary of my dad's death. Um, sorry. No, that's okay. But it makes it better now. (laughs) Mm. Um, it was the 19th anniversary of my dad's death the day that Owen came. Oh, and so what, yes, what a beautiful gift on yeah, I mean, it, it makes that day just such a special. So much brighter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. And for as Owen that. is, as Owen has grown, he has like this sweet little, kind of crooked heart birthmark on his cheek. So it, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of sweet. That but, that's a little angel kiss. Yes, exactly. It's, it's the significance of the importance of that day. Yes, and the blessing that the Lord gave you. For you got it. Be born that day because it was never intended. His his yeah. original birthday was like February eighteenth, I think. Uh-huh. So and he was discharged on February eleventh, about a week before. So he spent yeah thirty nine days in the NICU. Okay, okay. So tell me, um, then from there, and he's back home. Right. Tell me kind of what what it was like being at home well, with with him. It, it had to be. I mean, if it's me thinking about it with my little newborns, I was already right. a mess, not knowing what to do. And mine, mine were healthy. My son had lost weight in the hospital, sure. and go home, and there was things with him. We went through that too. It was just nerve wracking. And then you get home with this little being, and you're like, "Where's all the nurses? I need help." Again. I know. I know. So I picture you yeah. being a completely you know, different types Fragile. of situation. Right. And How he has this you... huge incision on his back that Carla yeah. was like, it was paper thin. You could like this little bubble, it, it formed into a bubble and it got corrected, you know, at age three, but um, it, it was, I mean, you could hold this little bottom. It's just, it, it was, it was tough to learn how to hold him properly. Cause I mean, I don't think he felt it per se, but it was such a delicate area on his back. And when he was so small, it took up about half of his, you know. Yes. And I remember the pictures of that too. Yes. And, you know, it just the, the way we had to put his diaper on or clothes. Yeah. And, yeah. It was, it I was, mean, I would look at that and just, just, you know, have tears because I'm like this little bitty baby, you yes. know, uh-huh. just fragile as ever, but, um, you know, he, he grew in his own way. I mean, you say we were home, we had, we had days at home, but I was pretty much at the hospital at least once a week, sometimes two or three times a week early on. Um, 
you know, we acquired quickly when, when he was in the NICU, I think we acquired four, four or five specialists right away, you know, urology and then your neurosurgeon and um, your orthopedics because Owen had bilateral club feet. So his little legs and feet were all twisted in. And that's very, can be common with spina bifida. About 50% of the children born with it have it. So they were trying to work on, you know, just trying to relax his little leg muscles and ankles. And so we were, um, we had a lot of doctor appointments, a lot of scanning, a lot of things that they, you know, want to watch and um, just watch constantly. Every three months we were at some specialist appointment, but I also had therapist in the home, you know, a, a physical therapist. We had occupational therapist, just hands on this kid, getting him moving, just making sure that he could, you know, use his little body in the best way that he could. So he wasn't, I mean, you would consider him about two months delayed, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, when babies are born premature and it took some time for him to catch up. But, you know, I really feel like looking back on it, we had so much help. We had the proper people um, helping us and it was so much, but it was okay because I could trust the doctors. I could trust the people that were coming into our home, helping us with him because he was so unique, Mm -hmm. you know, and you needed that piece, you know, the piece yeah. of having you had all this. It this was overwhelming, care. you know, yeah. having someone in your house all the time. And all you really want to do is walk around in your robe and try yeah. to feed your baby and <laughs> right up with, you know, whatever housework and the bottles and, you know, breastfeeding was him was a significant challenge. And um, just he was so tiny and weak and he was, you know, tube fed for so many weeks in there. And he just never really wanted to, I don't think he could, he just quite didn't get it. So he probably had trouble latching, probably just exactly. really yeah. get the strength to do that. Yes, um, exactly. So before we move further from that, yeah, um, because we did not talk about the fact that Owen was diagnosed with spina bifida. Not everybody knows what that is. If you could share what that is and then um, right. Maybe share the other medical diagnoses that he has um, had along the way. I know the list is long. Right. Then I want to get into talking a little bit about some of these, these surgeries and things he's gone okay. short little life. Right. So spina bifida is, it's actually a really common birth defect. We don't know where it comes from. They did genetic testing. They do all these things to try to figure it out. Um, but they they really call it environmental factors. There's really no rhyme or reason for it. Um, but it, it's a, a defect in the spine as you're developing. So the spine develops in gestation between week three and four. So by the time we knew I was pregnant around six or seven weeks, the spine is formed and that damage was done. Like mm. we had no idea. Never of thought anything. about that. No, it, it was, it was done. So when the spine forms, I've been explained that it's like a, a horse's mane. You know, if you can imagine a flowing mane of hair and that's like your spinal column forming all those, those hairs and somewhere in between that, week three and four, it it just didn't smooth out. It it bundled up at, at the base of his lumbar region. And it just, 
it got confused. (laughs) So it made this little bundle of nerves. And so at L2 on your spine, it's going to affect every nerve and every function from there down. So if you think about it, basically it's from his belly button down. Mm -hmm. So anything below there is, is going to be compromised. So it's a, um, well, but then also it, you know, it affects the entire nervous system because it affects his brain, his spinal cord, and then all of his nerves and bowel and bladder and leg muscles, you know, it's, it's pretty encompassing, uh, condition. So it, it does bring, uh, a lot of diagnoses with it. There's three forms of spina bifida and Owen has the most severe called myelomeningocele. And like I said earlier, he was born with bilateral club feet. So if you can imagine when he's developing his spine, that if there's a bundle of nerves in your in your spinal cord, then it's going to tighten up those leg muscles too. Mm. So with him, it, it just affected both feet um, as well. So we had the turned in ankles and, you know, he looked, he looked a little scrunched when he came out and his little nose was squished to the left. And, but um, so with that other uh, diagnoses, there's something called hydrocephalus, which is too much pressure or fluid on the brain, causing the brain to swell. And um, uh, most of kids with hydrocephalus and spina bifida tend to have larger heads in general. There, because of I don't really know why it's just really common with the condition, but um, there's some genetics too. Justin and I both have larger heads, but um, Owens is you know unique, uh, a little bit larger than the average. So, and I think that that's kind of has a prominent forehead too. It pushes out. It's just just the structure of of how his little um, skull developed. But we. Um, Early on, you know, he was scanned actually a lot on his head when he was real small, too, because they watch the ventricles to make sure that they don't get too enlarged. If you have too much fluid, it's going to affect the body and you'll you'll notice some really significant signs of hydrocephalus. And we've experienced that um, to a, a really shocking point. Um, so we watch something that I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. is that something uh, that affects every child with spina bifida or no? It's quite, it most likely, I would okay. say the vast majority, it's really quite rare if you don't have hydrocephalus. Okay. So I would say the vast majority. Um, so he already was kind of born with a larger head. So we scanned him more frequently. That was something they do every couple of days in the NICU. Mm. You know, they have, they're scanning the fontanelles and just trying to make sure that everything's as it needs to be, because if they spike fast and that's, that's alarming, they have to go do surgery. But, um, over time, you know, he, we would start to notice things with Owen's little eyes. He would, his eyes would do something called sunsetting. They would just kind of pulsate in his, you know, from time to time, he was still happy and whatever. He never really got to a horrible fussy phase like they can, but I would keep taking him back to the doctor. He's like, no, it's a little early. We're not going to, not going to, you know, treat him just yet. They would measure his little head with the tape, you know, frequently. Mm-hmm. If I ever had a concern, you know, Dr. Whitehead, who's our neurosurgeon has done four surgeries on him. He bring him in and I'm not going to, we're not going to, you know, let's not, um, 
He didn't want you delaying. Sure. Exactly. 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 Right. Tiny ones. So he did the fetal surgery on the spine and then, you know, we ended up treating for hydrocephalus, uh, meaning he, so sometimes these kiddos go through a, a spike in head circumference. Their head just grows too fast Mm -hmm. and the body can't catch up in time. So with that, um, he had too much pressure on the brain. So we treated for hydrocephalus uh, at age five months. So this was what, um, June of 2016 and did that surgery. And that was, uh, that was a lot. <laughs> you're, you're talking about the surgery where they had to drill into. Yes, we right. treated. Yes, correct. So a lot of people, there's two options to treat for hydrocephalus and you can either do a shunt, which is more common, what people are more familiar with. That's when you have a tube going from the brain down into the belly to drain the cerebrospinal fluid appropriately out of the body directly, you know, from brain to the belly. So they can, you know, just urinate it out. But with Owen, um, we were really against having to put some, you know, foreign objects in his body if we could do it. So there was a newer surgery also, again, kind of experimental. It's called an ETV. Um, I forget the the formal word of it, but basically, if you can imagine um, a colander, you know how it has holes in it, mm-hmm. right? So they he goes into the floor of the third ventricle of the brain. I don't know where that is, but and he pokes a couple of holes in there, and then he cauterizes it to make sure it's going to stay open, mm-hmm. and so that allows the fluid to drain out naturally. I, and so I, I can't even wrap. I know mind around that it is right. That's he, he just has so tiny intense. little incision in the shape of a C on mm-hmm. his head. They had to shave his head in one part. They did like a big strip. Um, and yeah, no, they, they drilled, they drilled into his, into his head. And so with that, it was, um, they didn't really warn us the aftermath of what that would look like post-op. I mean, Owen, it, it was so shocking to see him with, his head was quite large at this point because it had grown so much. And then it was so full of fluid. And, you know, with babies, they have that soft spot that hasn't come together yet. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, Owen's didn't come together till like probably almost two. Like okay. his was way, way soft for way long, very normal. But his his soft spot was so squishy before, and then after surgery, it literally he had a sunken cave in his in between his fontanelles. It was it it was alarming, and that was right after surgery, and um, nobody warned us about that. Yeah, that would have been a good thing to know. Yes, and if if I chat with any any moms or anything on a on a social media group about they're about to have their surgery on their baby, then I warn them about that truly because that was. That was shocking to see, but Owen was, um, he, he was a hot mess for a few days, just allowing the pressure in his brain and his body to just realign, Mm -hmm. you know, we needed to give him some time. So we were impatient about a week with a lot of, you know, round the clock vomiting. He really couldn't keep Nutch down and, um, just, he just needed some time to, to readjust to the new Owen. And sweet, sweet baby boy. I mean, we're talking about an adult here. We're talking about what? Five month old? Five months. Five month old baby. Five months old. But you know what? After a few weeks of 
of that, he just, he brightened up. I mean, he was such a sweet baby anyways, but man, he just, he turned a corner that he was able to just see the world in a new way. Like I didn't realize how compromised he was, you know, yeah, until afterwards. But, um, you know, it turns out at that point we were, you know, we were in and out of the hospital a couple of times after that surgery, because it turns out from the anesthesia and things like that, um, these babies with spina bifida, they can have chronic constipation mm. because again, the nerves are all affected from that belly right. button area down. So we had to go back to the hospital. He wasn't able to keep any, any formula, anything down. And it turns out he just, he needed to be cleaned out from top to bottom. So we went back inpatient and, I went through that experience and then it was even better after that because then he was just happy go lucky. And, you know, I had had my sweet baby back who wanted to, you know, interact and do play and just so he was he came back. I just um, you know, just just think about all of that. And then again, just another gift along the way for you and Justin of Oh, and turn in this corner, you know, mm-hmm. um, just so thankful for each of those moments. And so as we go forward, um, I know that he had some things going on around age three. Yeah. Uh, and if there's anything in between that you want to share, but otherwise let's talk about um, as he kept going forward mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. After after five months or so, I think it was about 16, 18 months old. At this point, he was doing well physically. He was starting to, you know, stand upright. He sat up around nine months. He started to kind of army crawl around a year and then start being really upright about 16 or 18 months wanting to, we got him some leg braces to help with, you know, when you have club feet, it just weakens everything. So the braces help him stand up and we utilized the stander in the home. I actually took some steps, you know, using a chair. Um, and then once once he's more upright, we kind of noticed that his gait was a little off and he seemed a little tight again, like his body starting to tighten up. And actually, at this point, too, we had just started to catheterize him because we had noticed some urology issues, again, very common. So it's called neurogenic bowel and bladder. So it affects you know, functioning of, of those areas. So we started to catheterize him. And, um, so we began that at age, I think 16 months and that'll be a forever task, but, um, we noticed his, his toes were kind of starting to curl in just a little bit and he just, he just seemed tight. He, he was walking stiff. So we had an MRI and, um, it's something called tethered spinal cord. It's actually really common and most of these babies are born with a tethered cord, meaning it's just it's tighter in one area if it's on a side or what have you. And they actually found a large um, Cyrenix on his spine, too, which is a fluid filled sac. I forget. I think it was like nine or 11 millimeters long was really long, very thin, but it was definitely impinging on his spinal cord. So at age three, um, uh, we we had to do it. It's very uh, routine surgery. Okay. Uh, just you know, it's just do a tethered cord release. Go in, and the neurosurgeon clips it and kind of allows the body to loosen up again and heals over time. And so we did that. It was very routine. Uh, we were inpatient four or five days, 
and you know have to keep your three-year-old laying still as a board in a hospital bed and IVs and pain meds, rotating Tylenol and ibuprofen and trying to entertain him. And Justin was such a champ. He was there every day with Owen because I'm toting around Miss Madeline. She's about seven weeks old, just giving birth to her. And she did her NICU stay of 17 days because she came early. But um, so about 10 days after his initial surgery, we were at home and his his little spinal cord, his incision was not healing right. Mm. So it, it, it was a small hole. First, it was a little redness and it just kind of grew and grew. And we were taking pictures and sending it to the neurosurgery team every day. And they're like, it's okay. It's going to close. It's going to close. And I'm like, his clothes are wet. He's leaking fluid. He's leaking oh, stuff. And I'm gosh. like, this, this can't be right. And they're like, okay, get him in the bathtub, clean it out. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing whatever you want. This, Justin and I are like, this isn't right. This isn't right. So, you know, we finally, we never thought we would see this, but we, um, the, the whole hydrocephalus point, we, we thought we had gotten over that, but we saw these hydrocephalus symptoms now through the opening in his spine. So his spine was basically exposed to a point. He did end up having an infection in the dura of the spine that happened, I guess, some point during the surgery, you know, what is it? 5% or less chance of getting a post-op infection. Mm. Um, but Owen's uh, laying on the ground. He He couldn't even sit up anymore. Um, I know that's that's so was, the memories are so 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 hard yeah it was so hard we did everything that the doctors told us to do and it just wasn't getting better and he couldn't sit up and he just started projectile vomiting everywhere and I said we're just we're going into the hospital like it, yeah it wasn't stopping so we just we took him into the ER and they admitted us immediately and you know, they did surgery the next morning to correct the original defect. And this time they put in three drains to help fluid flow out in all these different directions. And it, it was a much, much bigger surgery. It was a much bigger incision. And we were inpatient then, I think for 26, I forget, I think it was 26 days. Um, Justin was with them or it was around the clock. It was, uh, it, it was a, a huge step up from that first routine surgery. So um, it got scary, it got real scary because they had to give him three huge, heavy antibiotics, you know, around the clock that just made him super sick. It made him puffy. It made him throw up. It made him fever. I mean, the kid had 104 fever and just, uh, he was so sick. Um, and here you are problem. with a, a newborn. A newborn. Which we all know what that feels like and then yes. on top of that the just the helplessness of oh. not being able to just you know truly help your child and and I'm sure a million times over you and your husband wished it upon yourself not your your child I don't know I I hear people say that is that anything that ever crossed your mind during that time Oh, I wanted to take it from him, of course, but yeah. I, I, you know, I don't even know that I had that mental capacity because I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I had I, Madeline and, yeah. you know, I just, I was just 
in an automatic like zombie phase of I got to get just in clean clothes. You know, what supplies do they need from the house? I was back and forth and it, it I that's all that I wanted to do was just make sure I could provide for my boys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Owen didn't really want to eat. He was still on like a high calorie formula. He ate some minor crunchy foods at age 3. You know, eating for him has been quite a task growing up, but um we found a life-changing speech therapist who did some techniques on him for a better part of two years and, and just completely changed the structure of his mouth again from issues with Chiari and just nervous system issues. Owen had a tiny mouth that was really tight muscles and, you know, he just, he couldn't eat for like three years. Hmm. Uh, it, it's just nuts. But, um, and did he was, eat through a tube during that time? How, no, we, he did a high calorie formula like Pediasure. Okay. Um, or we had a, another prescription formula too that we gave him, but um, it was so filling and he just, he didn't want any other food and it was, it had its own icky side effects and it was processed and just not, not what we really wanted to provide for him, but he was so tiny and it was hard to gain weight. He was a failure to thrive baby. And I was like, I hate that diagnosis because it feels like I wasn't doing what I'm supposed to be doing for him. Yeah. But um, you know, I mean, we, you just, you, people say, you know, how do you do it all? And you just, you just do it. You don't question it. I mean, you question doctors and you ask, you ask the things, but you just kind of get in a mode of, you know, you've got it in front of you. You just got to tackle it, you know, yeah. one day at a time and you yeah. have family support and your faith and your trust in these physicians and, you know, Texas Children's is is absolutely one of the best in the, for sure, the country, if not the world, um, especially for spina bifida. So um, that was covered for us. I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to yeah. wonder if we needed to go elsewhere. So, right. right. What um, another just, you know, a piece yeah. to be able to have in that. Huge. It's it just, yeah, it's so huge in this situation you're in. You so it. then you're, you're beyond that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would love to switch gears in that a little bit and um, talk about like what a typical day in the life of Emily, Justin, Owen, and Madeline looks like, because it is hard probably for anyone. Um, I'm imagining it's hard for the listeners to just wrap their brain around what does this look like day in and day out now? Right, right. For them. Well, um, you know, Justin and I kind of, we say we never left the NICU. <laughs> so mm. if if anybody's familiar with the NICU life, there is, you know, there's nurses around all the time, of course, but for a particular baby, there's some sort of medical intervention every three to four hours. You know, if it's a medication to be given or, you're checking something. There's, there's always something going on. So with Owen, I I would still say every three to four hours, he's going to need either catheterization to empty his bladder, or we do give him a medication around 1230 to help, you know, with um, a later bathroom routine we do in the evening. It's a very timed medication. Um, There are things that, you know, we wake up, the first thing we got to do, you know, everyone goes to the restroom. We have to, you know, Kath Owen and make sure we get that pressure off his bladder. 
Um, and, you know, we cat them every three to four hours. So four to five times a day, we do that. You know, we do breakfast and then he has to put on his braces. It's taken us years, but Owen wears um, AFOs and SMOs, which are specific hard plastic braces fitted to his feet to help stabilize his ankle joints, his feet and up his uh, leg bones. They come up just to under his knee. So he can put on his socks now by himself and um, put the braces on. We have shoes that he wears indoor only. And then we have, so it's taken us a really long time to get him to be able to do that, to fully mm -hmm. dress himself and fully, um, you know, clothe himself, shoes included. Um, it's kind of surprising that doctors and nurses are so surprised that he can do that by himself. And I'm like, I don't understand how he can't do it just because he's a little bit more unique or he has... Yeah, he's got braces, so so he's got to learn to put them on. You know, like that's it's natural for us to do it, and everybody's like, well, he, you know, because everybody's asking what what activities of the ADLs activities of daily living can he do by himself, and he can do almost all of it. Well, and because his parents believe in that, and they yes. know that he's capable, and I am I am betting that you and Justin want him to be self-sustainable as, as he grows and not rely on just you and other care. So, I mean, you got it because that is just amazing. You know, it's been frustrating and it's taken a lot of patience, but you know, I mean, it's, I mean, what else are we to do as parents is to help them be as self-sufficient and, um, as possible. I mean, it, yeah. Who cares if you're in a wheelchair? Right. <laughs> or right. You so know. what does it what does it look like after Owen uh dresses himself? Yeah. And, and and from there, what what I mean it's what's next? Typical. I mean, breakfast and you get dressed and you know, you brush your teeth and um, you know, if we do some errands, we do physical therapy one hour a week. We do homeschooling. Um, when it's flexible for us, you know, Justin and I have built our life to be flexible. So we scooped him out of public school a couple of years ago and they weren't able to fulfill his educational needs um, that we could see. He was also missing a ton of school um, for appointments and therapies and all the doctors and stuff. So, you know, we both have jobs that are flexible. We can drop everything if we need to, including schooling and take care of stuff if we need to. But right now we have one, one hour of physical therapy a week for him. Um, and you know, all the other stuff he, you know, he eats three meals a day. We do the snacks. We have to make sure that he's standing enough during the day or not sitting too much because he doesn't have much of a cushion on his rear end. And he's very susceptible to skin breakdown and wounds. We've experienced that on his feet and his bum, and those are scary in its own sense. So we have special cushions at his desk chair, at the table chair, in his wheelchairs. You know, he has to sit on special things. He's got to get moving, get that blood flowing. Mm -hmm. We have to make lots of reminders of how he's standing, his positioning and posture and all that. He wears a back brace now too, because he has um, neuromuscular scoliosis, which is different than what most people think of scoliosis, which is the idiopathic version. 
neuromuscular scoliosis is um, common when someone else has another underlying condition, such as spina bifida. Um, so his is very progressive and aggressive. Um, so we wear a brace in hopes that we don't have to do another spinal surgery, but that's definitely very, very likely in our future. Um, is it but, something they tell you, is it just based on kind of what direction it goes or is it something correct. That, hey, this is probably in the next two years, five years? They can't say that per se, but once it hits a certain degree of curve, um, okay. I think over 50 degrees is when they start throwing out the word surgery and the different types of things that we can do to correct it, because they know that 50% of kiddos who get neuromuscular scoliosis um, or excuse me, 50% of children who have spina bifida get this type of scoliosis. So we okay. have that. And the other fact is that it is progressive and it's okay. not going to stop. Okay. So it's on and, a mission. And share with them, the listeners that what, what am I trying to say? What this brace looks yeah. like? Is it just a little bitty brace that's on the bottom of your back? Is it a hard brace, right. soft brace? Because I've it seen is. And this I know, know what it is. This it's um it's a hard plastic brace. We did this really cool scanning thing with an iPad. It was really challenging to get the actual curvature of his body. Owen has a unique little trunk. Um, he's thin and so he's bony, his little ribs are sticking out. They call it the Swiss cheese brace because there's so many different holes in it for Owen, like breathing holes for one and two, one around his little um his little rib on one side that pokes out. Um, it's padded on the inside, but it's hard plastic. And I mean, I literally have to strap him in and crank this Velcro strap. Mm. And in the beginning, it was so hard for me to just sit there and strap in my kid. Mm. But um, over time, we see that it it's going to help slow the curve. And, and the brace, does it go from his waist to how high? Actually, it's it's really odd shaped because one, it goes up to his left, underneath his left armpit. And it's not it's not this perfectly clean brace that you would picture. It, okay. it really is trying to put pressure underneath, you know, one armpit and at the hip of the opposite. Okay. So it's really trying to push pressure in two areas to straighten up the spine. Um, I have some really impressive x-rays of him in a brace and then out of the brace. And you can see this wonderful S that has curved when he's out of the brace. And then when you in the brace, it's almost perfectly straight. It's okay. just amazing to see, but it, it actually has to go below the hip bones because if your hips are in alignment, then your spine's not in alignment. Okay. So it, is he in the brace and uh, does he put it on willingly now or is it still oh, about? It's willingly now. We we worked up to it. The prescription is 18 hours a day. Does that happen? No. And I will be the first to tell the doctor and I'll be like, you know what? I'll give you, I'll give you up to 15 hours because I'm not going to break his spirit. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to. Um, you know, I don't want him to have an adverse effect to it because it yes. is going to help us for a while. 
Sorry, this brings up a lot of the past. That's okay. So. That's okay. Oh. And and I I know and I understand and I mean I understand that this is so hard to bring up and talk about. And you know the beautiful thing in all of it is that you talking and sharing can help any other parents going through it this. Does. Because really if they knew you and they knew Justin, oh my goodness, they would just be inspired so much and encouraged Thank you. by the selfless, loving, trusting, faithful parents you've been. And, um, you know, just, just in that, I know that's all so difficult. And it, since we're here now, share like what are some of your most difficult obstacles, challenges, struggles, whatever you may call it. And then we're going to talk about some wins yeah. and, and oh. some joys and blessings because there's so many. There's so many. They they weigh out way all yes, the exactly. scary things. Because, you know, one thing I've learned of being a medical mom is that the scary parts do end. Like yes. that's super stressful, awful dark places that your mind goes those do tend to end but you have to almost chain train your brain to just not go there you can't always go to those dark mm -hmm. places because it's very easy to so I've you know I've definitely gone through periods of that in the past eight years but um Owen is now seven and a half he is he's such a trooper and I'm, I may I may give you some of the wins and negatives at the same time that's okay we can go over them all at one time hand in hand you know this kid is um you know we've strapped him in these leg braces and this back brace and we've you know like learning to catheterize him he was young and it, it didn't really affect him so much but he's just he's such a trooper and he's very cooperative we explain things to him um but he's he's at an age right now where he he'll have these moments where he he's just like mom am i ever gonna grow out of spina bifida and it's just how do you tell your son yeah i don't know when he's gonna understand it but i said buddy you know you're you were born with this condition this is how god intended you to be mm. um I said, you're, you're so much like us, but you just, your body doesn't work the way maybe mine does, or, you know, your sisters, or, you know, you just, you just have some small differences, but we're all still, you know, the same person in general. So he's having a hard time understanding, you know, he, he, he wants to grow up and grow out of spina bifida. And that's like my biggest heartache right now. Yeah. He'll just, you know, he'll have a moment. It could be anywhere. And it's just, um, you just got to talk him out of it or talk him down, not out of it. But he's he's got to come to understanding terms in his mind. And he's he's having more of them. Like, I just, he doesn't want to have it. Yeah. <laughs> and even his little sister, he's like, well, she's like, well, I want to have spina bifida. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> because I know that I give him more attention than her. But from time to time, you know, she gets her she gets her time too, but that's, uh, this, this phase in our life right now is honestly what, what I would like, I would have bad dreams about when I was pregnant with him. I was like, there's going to be a time where he's going to start to understand or wonder why is he different? And he sees it. It's, it's pretty quite obvious. <laughs> yeah. And start <laughs> but, asking questions. Yeah. You want as a mom, 
Yeah. The, the answers that are going to comfort and soothe and assure him. That's it. And, you know, I feel confident that as these questions keep coming up, that the Lord is going to bring you the wisdom yeah. and the words, and you are going to say the things that bring him comfort and assurance. And he is, he is so beautifully and uniquely made, which you already know, yeah. uh, but, but he is, and you know, my prayer too, is that he sees that even if he looks a little different, he can still make a difference in, in the lives of others. Absolutely. He, in, in so many, and he already has, he, he does. He lights has. up any room that that kid yes. comes into. I mean, truly. He yeah. does. And we're not just saying that he, no, no, exactly. Does. Yeah. He, he really does. He impacts so many people. Um, so that's my, that's my biggest like struggle right now. I mean, of course, you know, the back brace, I never wanted to, uh, I just, it, it was not fun. I took a photo of him the first time he ever had it on. And it's just like the look on his face is how mm. my heart feels every day. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm in control of putting it on. He can't put it on himself. It's gotta be me or Justin. Yeah. It has to be yeah. put on perfectly, like in a very specific way. And no, I don't want to strap him in it, but it's like, yeah. you know what, honey, we, we got to try. We got to get in some hours today. We need to help, help your, help your spine. Maybe we can try to prevent surgery. You know, we're, 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 we are real with him to, to a, a level of that we feel is suitable for him, but yes. you know, we, we're open with him. We have to be because we don't know any other way. We're not going to no. sugarcoat it. We're not going to lie to you. You ever. don't, you don't want to hide things. And, oh. then, and then they come up, you know, in a bigger way down the road. And you got it. No I way. mean, it's, um, I would love for you to share, um, because I, I love this is what you would like listeners to know that you feel would enlighten them to other families that have. And let me ask you, is special needs, quote unquote, a term that is like, not liked? What, you know, I know there's so many different ones. What I is, I love unique because I think that's what they are. Yeah. Uh, but what is, is there terminology that doesn't hurt someone's feelings? I guess I'm trying to say. You know, Does, I think it's different for every person and every family. I think. What is it for you? What do you prefer people say I'm in, do you ever say time, I'm a special needs mom I I say I'm a medical mama okay. and my son has extra needs and he is a unique child I love that that's beautiful and that's and I think special is is so it could mean a I don't know it's a broad a term yeah. Right. It's broad. And then honestly, when I'm talking to my daughter, oh, your brother has special needs. Well, then what? I'm not special. Yeah, that's, you know? that's such a good point. That's why I've, I asked that because I've gotten away from that as Madeline's gotten older. Yeah. So many times we just don't know what to say. And I think right. like all the listeners out there, people don't mean harm or no, any never. Respect. A no. lot of times we just don't know. So that's why I exactly. wanted to ask, but share with the listeners um, one of the things that you shared with me that, that would be such a sweet spot. So, so, um, just tender to your family when, when you're out in public. 
Well, it's, you know, it, it's different every day, but yes, it, I mean, Owen is in a wheelchair. That's how he gets around and, and everybody is impressed. He's popping wheelies and popping <laughs> up curbs. And I mean, this, we put him in his chair at two for a reason, because we yes. knew that walking would be a big struggle for him. And now he has a sport wheelchair. We've actually gotten him into some sports events and things. Um, so he's met some friends, but we definitely, you know, you don't see a, a sweet kid with a big beaming smile like Owen every day in a chair, you know, zipping around like he's got not a care in the world. Um, so, you know, we get a lot of stares and a lot of children will come up and just touch them, the chair or his wheels or whatever. And, you know, we have taught Owen to speak up, you know. We say, hey, this is your legs. If you don't want somebody touching your body or your legs or your chair, you need to speak up. Because, yes, we are always on a spotlight, it appears, like when we're out in public. Um, you know, even adults, you know, when if people are excessively staring, we're just, you know, I make sure I connect eyes with them and say, hi, how are you guys? You having a good day? You know, I mean, just start just start with words because the staring, he feels it, he sees it. And he'll say, mom, why are they staring? And I said, well, honestly, they don't, they're not used to seeing such a cool kid in a wheelchair. You know, yeah. it's not very frequent. You see that, but um, talk to us, say something, or even just say hi, you know, hi and walk by. And if you want to continue to stare, that's cool. I mean, yeah. Or even, Hey, cool wheel wheelchair and talk. Right. Talk to Owen. Yes. You know, about something that could good engage. A positive him. interaction because yes. staring is kind of a passive or yeah. almost negative in a way that we, right. that's kind of how we feel. But there's, there's a lot of great instances too. Like Madeline, we take her to gymnastics and we take Owen with on Fridays. And there's this one boy gymnast who's probably 10 and he walks by Owen and gives him a fist bump. And I'm like, mm, yeah. that's it. Like just. Hey, bud, how are you yep. doing? I mean, that's it. That's the positive stuff. And Owen talks about it for the rest of the day because he feels like he's seen. Yes. You know? And that, that is so important. He yeah. just wants to Staring feel seen. Staring is more passive. And I get it. We're all a little yeah. uncomfortable because the moms and the parents are like, oh, my gosh, what happened? What? Right. You know, we have the the analytical minds of the adults. And then the kids are just like, never yeah. seen that before. You know, so it's just. Honestly, well, the innocence of kids is they stare. They're just like, yeah, why? Why don't they look, uh, you know, like we do or whatever? Right. And it is it's that innocence. But if we can educate yeah. parents yeah. when they're out, if you if you know, they go in a restaurant, they see yes. some wheelchair. Talk to your kids. Hey, say hi to him. Tell him you Absolutely. love his chair. Tell him you love his shirt. And See, just engage with him and yeah. be his friend. And I think that goes with any. And I love that you shared that um, with us because I think it will help as we go forward, everybody that's listening, to be able to, to do that instead of just staring, even though we mean no harm. Um, Absolutely. No, we always know there's there's no ill ill intent or anything like that. And some parents are like, What's wrong with him? I mean, they'll yeah. just they'll just be ballsy and ask. Yeah. What happened right. to him? What's you know, like it's and I'm like, oh, okay, we're gonna have that's cool. I mean, most days <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he was born with spina bifida. And then, you know, we're walking along and we kind of just pass the moment or what have you. But I mean, it just depends. Some some kids are like, Why is his head so big? I mean, we get asked the most random things from yeah. 
I imagine kids too. There's not a lot of filter. Filter. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? But that's real world. And we're all, we're good with that because we're trying to prepare Owen for that because we're only carrying this for him. We're trying to educate him so he can take it all on himself. Well, tell me as we start to wrap up, tell me how people can come alongside and not even just your family as much, but come alongside and help any family that is also medical mamas and daddies going through these same things. What would be, you know, when people go, how can I help? Um, what, how do you answer that? And what, what would that be for you? Wow. That's, that's, you know, that changes so frequently. So I think that's the reason why us medical parents have such a hard time answering that Yeah, because our life changes. You, you know, don't like, go day to day. You Well, maybe not day to day anymore. Like when Owen was young, the first four years, I would say it was changing like all the time. But now we have a little bit more consistency. Sometimes we're just like, we have no idea because we don't know what to expect at the end of the day or what have you. I mean, there's not a whole lot people can do hands-on for our family per se. I mean, we're always open to, of course, you know, praying is has is, is just brought us so much um, uh, you know, love and success for, for the things that we've endured so far. But I mean, and I don't know, just check in with the parents. If you're wondering, text or call. Um, what about things like, I mean, things that come to mind, some a little standard, but what about, um, if someone provided, um, house cleaning for you or meals, or, um, can you do date nights? Um, you know, like someone to, to <laughs> stay with them. And I, and I, I, I know Sean has done that, you know, when they're in town, but. And- right. And that's about the only time, because honestly, from sun up to sundown, there's medical intervention. And at the right. end of the day, it's the longest process for us for, um, you know, I get Owen to bed by eight thirty or nine, but I mean, I start the routine around seven, seven thirty. So, um, I, it's hard to do a date night, but if we do, it would be during the day. Like when Sean is in town, we'll, you know, we'll escape for a few hours during the day or, um, date nights are tough. So Justin and I just kind of create that time ourselves. We've, right. you know, we've just kind of learned over time that that's the only way we're really going to be able to do that. Meals are always a good thing or welcomed. I cook a whole lot anyways, but, um, you know, we, you know, we sometimes go out to eat, but not very much just, you know, for one reason or another, but, um, I mean, house cleaning again, it's like very personal basis or whatever. It just, Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't like a lot of strangers in my home. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. You Around know? all my, I don't know. Um, so it's just, it, it, it's ever evolving. The assistance. Um, I know people always, always want to know what, what can we do? And it's just like, 
I don't know. Yeah, that's, uh, I know that's not what you want to hear, but no, because I know it is different for <laughs> everyone. It and, really is. It's so. It's, I think my point in it, I would want to come across is whatever that looks like for a family out there. Just ask. Don't be yeah, afraid to ask. Exactly. That's it. People that's want it. to help, <laughs> and do. sometimes you just don't know the best way to do that. And um, you know, just ask or just say, Hey, I'm bringing you guys a meal on this night or, right. you know. or what can I get you for this day? You pick right. it. Yes, that's fine. Make, right. You know, that's just, that's part of it is just make a decision. Say, Hey, I want to yes. do this, this day, what day of the week works for you? What time? Right. And it's done, you know, like you don't want to have to make one more decision, you know, that's it. And that is like, a big part of it because yeah, just put I, that out there for him and say, yeah. I'm, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to do DoorDash for you guys tonight, you know? Right. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I think about with that. Yeah. Take, take it off their plate. It, I think that goes for anyone too, that's gone through any kind of, um, you know, procedures, cancer, surgeries, yeah, whatever. When you got people, it. Long and, recoveries. Just, just tell them how you're going to help, you know? And so, um, well, as, as we finish here, is there anything that we have not covered that you want to put out there for anyone um, that might encourage them through your story? And uh, because I almost even feel like um, we haven't done enough justice to you and, and Justin and your incredible dedication, commitment, perseverance, strength, um, selflessness in all your parenting through this. And with that said, knowing it's, it's what we were handed in life and yeah. we are going to take it with all we can, but the faith that y'all have exhibited in that and the way you and Justin come together and you work as a team. And like you said, you keep things flexible in your, your jobs and everything you do. It's truly as an outsider sitting back and watching, it's truly one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it makes you go, I could never do that, but you know, but you if could. You're, right, exactly. And totally can. Anybody just, can do this. I just want the listeners to really get in here and understand um, th just the, the sacrifices all parents will make, you know, right. for the children and the things you all have done. And it's, you know, and that's what I would say. That's accurate. That it's just sacrifices look different for each family mm -hmm. and it's still us, you know, we're just parents of a really unique child um and a little spunky uh, girl <laughs> oh she's amazing and you know Justin was always like we're gonna have a girl like before we were even pregnant with Owen he's like well we're gonna have a girl at some point so um he has these these inclinations these thoughts Justin and he's always right um but we you know Madeline came second and she's really given us a dose of I hate the word normalcy but it's true Yes. We needed yes. a dose of that. And we've, we've mm -hmm. received it. We've been blessed again with her and I could not do this without Justin, like hands down. It is absolute teamwork. Mm -hmm. And that's the way, that's why we're so successful. Yeah. We, yeah. we rely on our faith and our family and our friends, but first and foremost, he and I are just, 
we're seamless. It, it has taken some time. We have gone through some really rough times in a marriage, but I mean, that's everybody. Yes. It, it, it's, yes. It's that's just, all circumstances. It's all, all, all marriage, yeah. but I mean, seriously, mm. he's, it, it was, God knew exactly what he was doing when we met and then what we have been given and blessed with and stressed with at times, but yeah. we come together and man, we do, we kill it. We kill it every you day. You do. And I, I can attest to that just from and I am, by on the sidelines. I, you know, I, I feel pretty great that, that we do so well. I mean, we've made many sacrifices and that's okay because we're repaid every day with these, mm-hmm. these beautiful kids who just are, um, you know, they're going to go out and they're going to conquer the world and in their own ways. And I can't yes. wait to, can't wait to see what they can do. So, yeah, well, I know we can't wait either. And I just thank you so much for coming on here and spending this time. And, you know, I'm just reminded of Jesus's love for us, no matter yeah. what, and that he equips us with the strength That's we it. need to, to, to endure all that comes our way. And your family um, just gives us all encouragement in how we walk in holy boldness and faith, no matter what life throws at us. Yeah. And and your family is just such a beautiful picture of that. And I just, I thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to include in show notes, um, anything that, that we think, you know, would be good links to help people. And um, just thank you. Thank you for being here. And just thank you for sharing your story about your, your beautiful family. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to. And it comes with emotion, as you know, and see it, that that will never change (laughs) being a mom, but um, thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm honored that you thought of me so quickly and in the beginning of your podcast journey. And I think, um, you also have such a wonderful gift for what you're doing. You're sharing stories of such impactful people, um, just just getting it out there. Because if we don't educate, we don't know. And yeah. if being a medical mom, I know I'm not alone. I'm a part of a few social media groups, and that's pretty much the only reason I use them. And we help each other out. We come together, and we know we're not alone, even if we're across the country. But we're all dealing with the same things and issues day in and day out. And it's just so comforting to know that there's others who are willing to listen and help and just, just be there for you or say a prayer if they can't empathize in any way. And and you know what? Exactly. I mean, God calls us, he gives us our stories to share. Thank you for helping us, you know, educate one another because there's nothing better. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to follow up down the road with Owen's life and updates. But until then, um, thank you for sharing and uh, we'll circle back uh, sometime soon and and share more. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you.